0: Amen. Well, thanks, Pastor Gary. It's uh, really good to be uh, at our uh, Chilliwack campus. Uh, it's been a couple of months. I think I preached here last uh, mid-August. And so, uh, greetings from Agassiz. Uh, the work is going well. We appreciate your ongoing uh, prayers for our, our campus over there. Uh, and so, this morning, it's just a privilege for me to be here to, uh, to preach the Word of God. I just want to open up, as I regularly do. You know me by now. I wear my heart a little bit on my sleeve, and I, I like to share personally things that have gone on in my life for your encouragement. I want to take you back to a time that I remember very well. Um, it was a Wednesday. I know that specifically because uh, my wife, uh, has a, at that point, was working um, one day a week at the courthouse every Wednesday, and, uh, and it was in early 2012. That much I can tell you. Um, This particular day I remember well because I couldn't get out of bed. Uh, This wasn't the common, you know, I went to bed too late, uh, midwinter, dark morning, feeling groggy, I don't want to get out of bed kind of scenario that I'm sure most of us are familiar with as we head into the dead of winter. Uh, No, I literally on this morning could not get out of bed because I was depressed. I was really depressed. At that point, I was uh, 41 years old, and I could count up to that point in my life how many times I could count, I think on one, maybe two hands, uh, how often I had taken a a medication for anything, including your basic Tylenol or Advil. And now I couldn't sleep without medication. At first, uh, my doctor prescribed these little blue pills that would just knock me right out, sleeping pills, and then after they were gone, he said, well, it's not good to be on those any longer. Here, let's give you something else. And when that is gone, he prescribed adivan And after, uh, at that point, after an 18-year run in ministry, um, I had completely burned out. I didn't know what that word meant before then. Don't know if it really adequately describes what goes on in a person's life when you hit that wall. But um, I, had be, I had been in pastoral ministry for 18 years, uh, uh, but uh, a few years prior to 2012, my ministry was suffering. I, uh, I was placed on medical leave by my doctor, and uh, I, had, I resigned uh, from a six-year post under um, a, a lot of stress. My, my tank was completely empty. I understood the word feeling tanked. I was tanked emotionally, physically, relationally, and spiritually. For the first time in my adult life, I was unemployed. Um, And and what made the situation even more depressing was that I was uh, at home in my house coat, sending resumes, which you have to do now online, to a bunch of places, and nobody was responding to me. They didn't even say thank you for the resume. I, I, I was just, nobody was responding. Um, my, uh, my severance pay, three months, was running out. I was getting a little desperate. There was no work on the horizon. I could not sleep without this medication. I couldn't. I didn't want to be around people. Uh, we had stopped attending church. Pastor for 18 years. I didn't want to go to church anymore. Uh, I was becoming more and more angry. And bitter. Uh, And that left me very depressed and feeling rather hopeless. And I remember saying to Marcy on that Wednesday morning, as she's getting ready for work, she comes over to the bed and she's trying to get me out of bed. And I said to her, What reason is there for me to get up today? So later that morning, the phone uh, rang. And at the time, I don't know why I answered because um, I was still in bed. Now I know why I answered that call. It was very providential, very uh, a divine appointment. The voice on the other end said, Hi, uh, Eldon, it's Bob. I'm just following up uh, to see how you're doing. Now just to explain, uh, Bob, and together with his wife Penny Armstrong, are the directors of a Christian ministry in our valley here, uh, specifically to herding, burned-out pastors and missionaries. It's a ministry called Oasis. I'm sure some of you have heard of it. Um, We had met Bob and Penny uh, several months earlier at a retreat, an Oasis retreat that we had attended, which was probably in our lives at that point six months premature. But looking back now, we would have never met Bob and Penny and I would have never got that phone call had we not gone to that retreat. So so I pick up the phone and and Bob says, so uh, Ellen, I'm just following up to see how you're doing. And the first thing I said to him was, uh, Marcy called you, (laughs) didn't she? Long pause. (laughs) He says, you have a good wife who loves you very much. That call uh, put me on a path that enabled me to move forward again. Bob said, Eldon, I, want, I, want I don't normally do this. I wait for people to call me, but I, I, I understand where you're at, and I want to meet you today. And so I got ready, got out of bed. It was that phone call that got me out of bed. I met him for lunch, and that uh, began about a six-month um, relationship with Bob where I met with him regularly, uh, where I had received enough encouragement that I was able to face some of my greatest fears, <laughs> let go of some of my greatest hurts, significant hurts in my life, both, both of which included um, a, a, a formal process of, of mediation and reconciliation with some people. Um, and that, uh, that whole process allowed God to fill my life once again with new opportunities in both life and ministry as I was able to move forward and literally let go of things mediator told me after the process was over he said Eldon when you're hanging on to stuff in your life God cannot fill you with a new opportunity and so when you let go <laughs> when you let go of all of that and you are able to put it to rest and so he did that Bob did that in my life he said God will give you new opportunities and sure enough he did <laughs> here I am and I want to tell you that and you've heard me say it before, I think, that I stand before all of you this morning. I stand almost every week in front of the people, uh, people of God at our Agassiz campus, uh, so full of gratitude and joy, and I stand before you purely because of the grace of God. It is only his grace that I stand before you this morning. You know, there's that song that says, Your grace has found me just as I am, empty-handed but alive in your hands. I was completely empty, still still alive in God, even though I needed people in my life. So a big part of the, the grace of God in my life was people, who awesome people who came alongside me, people, first of all, like my, my wife, <laughs> bless her, And in addition to people like Bob, I had, I'm going to name some people, uh, Gilbert, who was there long before that day I couldn't get out of bed, and he was there long after, and he's still there. And I like to call him and and some other guys my redneck friends, like uh, (laughs) Gord and Roger and the two Ricks in my life, and... And a group of guys that I that I meet uh, met with and still try to as much as I can for coffee every Sunday morning at Waves and Garrison, Bert and Gerald, and and uh, another guy like my seriously funny but seriously good friend Cliff, and 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 then the wonderful people that I met in Agassiz at the Friendship House before our relationship with uh, Central, and guys like Pastor uh, Gary, Pastor Ron at that time, who so significant in my life. And and I'm going to talk about a former staff uh, at uh, Central who now works for our conference uh, uh, nationally, Dave Jackson. These men all believed in me. They they supported me. They helped me once again to uh, not only thrive as a pastor, which I believe is God's calling in my life, but more importantly as a person. Because I just was not able to move forward personally. Without these all of these people in my life what they did is what we all are instructed to do in scripture for one another and that's the series that we're in right now right now is all of the one anothers in scripture this morning we're going to talk about encourage and build one another up and that's exactly what these all of these people primarily these men did for me in my life in obedience to the imperatives that we find in scripture, particularly in these two places that I'm going to read for you this morning. So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just going to read one verse, verse 11, and then we're going to jump over to Hebrews chapter 10. Two very short passages and we're going to unpack three words this morning and look at them and how that applies to all of us. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says this, Therefore, I'll set the context a bit later in, in the message, but therefore... Encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So I'm going to spring over to uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. It says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not a ab- Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's just take a moment to pray. Ask God to uh, teach us today from these uh, verses. So, Father, we come before you today absolutely dependent on your your life uh, within us. As believers, we we need you, Jesus, the living word. We also need your written word today as we've read it to uh, instruct us. But beyond that, to help us live um, accordingly, to live different lives. So help us to apply what we learn today um, by your Holy Spirit and through your written word today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews, uh, I I believe the Apostle Paul wrote this, but the author um, said, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. (laughs) I had been a a pastor for 18 years. I I, I had professed this hope week after week and day after day to people. And I was now at a point in my life where I was not only not able to hold unswervingly, what, like what happens when you're swerving? Like you're going sideways. Has anyone, has uh, have you ever heard the term like, you know, things are going sideways real quick here? <laughs> um, I was not just uh, swerving and not able to hold on. Like I was going backwards. I was barely hanging on. And when I was unable to hold on swervingly to this hope that I had professed for so long all of these people that I, that I named uh, in the introduction here to, to this sermon, they did three things for me. They encouraged me. We're going to look at what that means. They built me up and they spurred me on. So let's look at these three words. Number one, encourage. <clears throat> this is a compound word uh, which is made up of, um, has somebody corrected me this morning? So if you take the word in, On its own, it's a preposition. When you link it up, like here, it's a prefix, right? So the word, uh, so the letters EN is literally on its own a prefix, I mean a preposition, which is in. And then you've got the second part of this word, which is a noun, in this case, courage. When you put the two together, it becomes a verb, a very active verb as the way it's written in Scripture. So to encourage literally means to put courage into someone. The word courage is defined as the ability to do something that frightens one. It means strength in the face of pain or grief. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe you are right now, where you're actually afraid of something or afraid to do something? Are you or have you been in a situation where you are in faced with pain, with grief? Grief. Whenever there is grief in a person's life, it signals a loss. Right? You don't grieve unless you've lost something. And um, we're going to look at this a little bit in biblical context. But whenever someone—and maybe you are this morning, wherever you're sitting—if you're at the place where I was, uh, um, there was there's significant loss. I had incredible fear. In fact. A couple of years later when I began ministry here at Central, which next month is coming up on two years now, praise God, and I'm loving every minute of it, loving it. Um, I had incredible fear when I started ministry here. I wasn't being blunt, honest with you this morning. I still do from time to time. I just was so afraid. How is this going to go? Right? Um, I had a lot of pain in my life as a result of all kinds of things that led up to this point. And after I just, grief, I had lost significant things. I had lost the job and the income that went with it. I was losing my health. Not totally, but my health was being physically impacted uh, a lot. I lost, uh, to a certain degree, dignity. I lost relationships. I had lost my joy. But all of those people gave me the ability, they gave me the strength, they gave me the courage, they put into me the things that were necessary to face all of that and begin to move forward again. And that is what we're called to do for one another. Now the dictionary defines encourage, so we looked at what the word courage means, and so when you put courage into somebody, this is literally what you're doing, is to make someone more determined, more hopeful, and more confident. I I I was feeling so hopeless at that point. And what these people did was they put a sense of hope in me again that, yes, things can get better. Things will get better. I'm going to help you get there. To encourage means to make something more appealing or more likely to happen. To make someone more likely to do something. I didn't want to do anything. To tell or advise someone to do something, to inspire them with courage, spirit, hope, to hearten them. So let's get to the word biblically. The word "encourage" biblically is the word "parakaleo." Again, it's a compound word of two smaller words. Uh, in, in different translations, uh, the word "encourage," "parakaleo," is translated beseech or comfort or exhort. "Parakaleo" is the word "para." First, so "para" means alongside. It's where we get um, the word "parallel." So train tracks, two tracks, run perfectly parallel to one another. Uh, they run a- alongside each other wherever they go. They have to. If they deviate, I don't know what the tolerance is, but if you, <laughs> you know, you get big problems if those things aren't parallel. Uh, and then you've got the, another word there, "kaleo," which means to call. Pe- para kaleo. So to encourage someone biblically means to be called alongside, parallel to someone's life for the purpose of exhorting them, encouraging, comforting them, strengthening them, sometimes consoling them in a time of loss or pain or grief, uh, fear, and also to challenge them. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. And when we do those things, we literally put into their life courage, hope, the, the ability to move forward again. Now let's talk about this uh, theologically, doctrinally for uh, a little bit. In uh, Matthew chapter 11, I'm just going to go there for a sec. Jesus invited us to come alongside him. And he would come alongside us to work parallelly together. So Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 28 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Weary. I can't do this anymore. Burden. You are weighed down. You're weighed down to the point where you cannot carry the weight anymore. And I will give you rest, Jesus said. Take my yoke uh, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So what happens is uh, when we are yoked uh, to Jesus, it's like being yoked. It, it, like a, a literal physical yoke, is a is a is a thing that has two notches or more in it, but two. That will uh, be placed upon the, the back of the neck of a couple of animals to keep them perfectly in line together, so that they work together. And and it's true that if you yoke horses together or oxen together, uh, together they don't pull just twice as much, but exponentially more than they could on their own. Their wor- their ability to move forward with a load increases four, six, eight times. Whereas by themselves they could never do it. And that's what Jesus bids us to do is to be yoked to him. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, you know, come to me and take my yoke upon you. Now we're working parallelly with Jesus and we are not yoked just to Jesus' head. We are yoked to his whole body. That's all of you. And that's me. We, the church, are the body of Jesus Christ. And so if we are yoked to Christ, we are also yoked to one another. And that means that we are called, one of the ministries that we have in the body of Christ is to come alongside those to help lighten their load and ease their burden. To help them move forward. To encourage one another. So let's take it even a little bit further. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, uh, we also um, ask, invite the Holy Spirit to take up residence in us. So the Holy Spirit in the Bible, uh, by the way, this is very interesting. The Holy Spirit, who's called the helper or the comforter, is the parakletos. He literally is the one called alongside of us. God himself, to comfort, to guide, to convict, to give strength, to give courage. Here's my theology. The Bible says, as I've already mentioned, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul makes that real clear in 1 Corinthians 5. But you are the temple of the Holy Spirit as a believer in Christ. The Bible also says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 says that. 1 Peter 1 says that. Galatians chapter 4 says that. And if you back if you back up a little bit in Galatians to chapter two, this is why Paul said this. He said, "I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I now live it, the life I live in the flesh. I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." So when the Bible implores us to encourage one another, it literally means that we, with the spirit of Jesus Christ, the one that, you see, when, when he was on earth, he invited people to be yoked to him. And now that he's gone, we're still yoked to him by his spirit, whom he gave when he left. His Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. We, are, we continue to be yoked with Jesus Christ. We are yoked with Jesus Christ as believers. And that means that we are implored to come alongside the whole body, to help each other by the power of His Holy Spirit, just as the Spirit of God does, just as Jesus does in us and for us. Amen, amen. That's good theology right there. The first, the the, the first Christians who uh, existed, way back in the Book of Acts, they um, they faced. Um, Uh, quite a bit of turmoil. They had um, questions and doubts in their mind about uh, this new um, faith and belief system that they were embracing. Uh, There was uncertainty about their times because they were now experiencing persecution at an unparalleled level. So I would imagine that at times, fear, anxiety uh, would uh, creep up into their lives. And they understood the need to be encouraged, to be built up, to be spurred on because of all of the things that they were facing. This was especially true for the Jewish Christians to whom the book of Hebrews is written. They had embraced Judaism, uh, worship of the one and only God for so long. And now for them to accept, as many did not, especially the Jewish leaders, that Jesus Christ, was the one who was, who was sent from God, who came from God, uh, the Messiah, very God, in flesh. A lot of them didn't accept that. The early Christians who did accept that, based upon Jesus, not only his claims, but his death and then his resurrection and his ascension, which the apostles witnessed, when they accepted that, they, they were not treated very, very well by those who had not and who did not accept that. The Jewish leaders at that time time, thought Jesus was a quack. And so they were being persecuted, not only internally, but they're also facing pressure on the outside from the Romans who did not accept Christ as being a king, having a kingdom that was threatening the Roman Empire, supposedly. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not the kind of kingdom that you're thinking about. It's of a different place. And so these early Christians, they needed what Paul was talking about. They were facing pressure. They had heavy burdens to bear. They were experiencing persecution, fear, anxiety, doubt, all of that. They were facing loss. Their leader had died. And Jesus prepared them for this, for his disciples. That's why in John 14 and John 16, those passages that talk about the paracletos, the the spirit that Jesus would leave them, Jesus said, you know what? It's to your benefit that I die. Because without that, you know, you're still in your sin. And it's to your benefit that I am raised from the dead and I leave you. Because if I don't leave you, I won't send the helper. The paracletos, the one who's going to come alongside. And and this troubled the disciples. They were afraid. They didn't understand what was happening. And that's why Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That's why he continually said to his disciples, do not be afraid. Because the one who comes alongside, he's... He's coming. I'm here alongside you now, but I'm not going to abandon you. I won't forsake you. The Spirit is coming. My Spirit I will send. And he did. Acts chapter 2, right? One of the greatest things that you can do for someone is to encourage them. It is a powerful ministry in the church to one another. A true ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of another person who needs it desperately as I did, as I do. So there's a couple of other words. Spend a lot of time and encourage the other two a little faster. The second is to build. Paul also said, and build one another up. Encourage one another and build one another up. Uh, In the King James Version, uh, build is translated as edify. It means to increase the potential of someone or something with focus on the process involved, it means to strengthen, to make more able to construct. This literally, this word uh, build, is a construction term. And we got lots of construction workers in our church, and so I know you'll appreciate this a lot. Um, I have a brother who, who's been framing houses and doing some pretty complex things for years in Calgary. Very successful, very good at it. And I, I like to talk to him about the projects he has going on. He, he phoned me, just this last week, to congratulate me in person because I'm a grandpa now. Just saying. (laughs) I had to get that in there. So after a long conversation about Calum, our little baby boy that our daughter had, um, got to talking about his projects. Uh, He's got, I think, five on the go right now, a couple of rentals, but three new builds, and he's very busy. And so... um, I, I talk construction with him once in a while. Something I don't understand, but I love the shows on HD TV. You, you like those, so you've got like uh, Love It or List It now, and then you've got uh, Leave It to Brian, and you've got all these renovation shows. Right where, where um, when you when you make changes uh, to a structure, particularly when you're adding things on, so you're you or removing things. So you remove a wall. And and that wall supports a load. You have to be very, very careful. There's a process involved. When you remove things, you have to be careful what you add. And you have to add the right things according to engineer specs. You have to strengthen that joist or put in a beam on the ceiling or in the wall or sometimes in the roof or above a garage if you're adding a deck and so on, right? Because if you don't strengthen it, the whole thing will collapse. Because it's not meant to bear the additional burden. It's exactly true in our lives. We are not meant to bear certain burdens. And the only way that we can stand up under it is, first of all, to be yoked to Jesus, which means to be yoked to his body. We need one another. There are times when you are going to have to bear my load and there are times when I'm going to have to bear your load to literally slip into your life as as that extra beam, as that extra joist to be able to hold you up so that we can be solid, so that we can hold unswervingly to this faith that we profess. Jesus said, apart from me, which includes his body, you can do nothing. Nothing. And we need to believe that and we need to accept the help of others and we need to be very willing to extend encouragement and building the process. It's, it's, the word is very interesting. The focus on the word to build is on the process. And sometimes to build someone up, no, not just sometimes, always, to build someone up Some things need to be removed first, right? You need to expose certain areas. There could be unhealthy things that are happening in a person's life, as there were in mine. All of those things need to be stripped away. You need to get a good look at what you're working with in order to, again, rebuild so a person can move forward. It's a tearing down and it's a building up. Sometimes that tearing down hurts. And we're going to talk about that uh, in the next word, which is to spur, to spur one another on. Spur is a very interesting word. You know those little jingly things that cowboys wear and cowgirls on the back of their boots? It's exactly what this word is. The word means to irritate, it means to exasperate. It means a sharp or intense sometimes argument or disagreement. Seriously. The root of this word literally means sharp. So when, when good wine turns bad and it becomes uh, sour, that's what this word means. It has this um, meaning of, of a sharpness, a sourness. It provokes. It kind of mm, wakes you up. And so those spurs that cowboys and cowgirls use to encourage, get their horses to move in the right direction, they don't feel good but they have a purpose. So listen, sometimes encouragement, building one another up, spurring one another on, it hurts. Sometimes we need to poke and prod a little bit in the ribs, kick a little bit here and there in order to get someone to move forward. We don't draw blood. That's mean. But on the other hand, it just doesn't feel good. And we often encourage, uh, confuse making someone, you know, just feel good with encouragement and building them up. And that's not at all the case. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. But it's what's necessary in order to put the ability in that person to move forward again, right? To get them going in the right direction. So the people that came alongside me in, in, in 2012, three years ago, the ones who really helped me so that I could be where I am today, they, they encouraged me and spurred me on in things that I did not want to do. I did not want to forgive. Pastor Matt talked about forgive one another from the heart. You can say it, but if you don't mean it and you don't really want to and you're still hanging on things, that's going gonna, gonna to keep you from the renovation that God <laughs> wants to do in your life. I did not want to forgive. I, I did not want to let go of my hurt. I did not want to stop picking at my scabs. I wanted people to feel sorry for me. But these people wouldn't allow that to happen. So I remember the day that Dave Jackson, this was when I was just starting with Central. Remember when I uh, <clears throat> when I finally let, was able to let go of things um, and the mediator told me that God would place things in my hands when I was able to let go. It was literally the same week that I got a phone call from Ron and Gary. It was literally that week when I was finishing the process of letting things go, which had taken a long time. It was painful. Oh, so painful. Uh, that God, literally the phone rang from central... And before that, he had opened up opportunities over there in um, Agassiz. And uh, I remember, you know, Dave Jackson caught wind of what was going on, and he he phoned me, and he says, Eldon, I want to take you out for coffee. And I'm talking about Dave this morning because he's not here. Actually, (laughs) I know where he is this week because I phoned him this week, and I said, Dave, I I, want to talk about you. And he says, Eldon, I trust you, go for it. I I let him know what I was going to say, and... So I remember uh, he found me. We went for coffee to uh, decades. I remember exactly where we were sitting. We were because he, he had been there in my past and was helping me through some of these things and and he had been part of the process uh, quite a bit, not entirely, but quite a bit. And um, at one point in the conversation, he t- he turned to me. He worked up the courage, I think, and he said to me, "Ellen, he says, you know, you're pretty good at being a victim." He said, you need to stop that. Ouch! <laughs> Man! It's like, Those were some heavy spurs. Uh, he didn't draw blood. In fact, quite the opposite. He was very gracious. And in fact, on the phone just this past week, I, I took him out about a year later for coffee and I let him know what was going on in my life and what was happening relationally with some people and and then I phoned him again just this last week and I thanked him again for uh, for what he did in my life. And, and he apologized to me, he said, "I'm Ellen, I'm sorry, like you know, that I hurt you, and I says, No, 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 no. That was the point. And you did it well. Um, I think it's really cool that at Central Community Church we've got an awesome pastoral team with I think three or four. Pastors who used to be employed by Central still in the pews here. A couple of them former lead pastors who participate in ministry and who champion and encourage and what a blessing of unity in the church, hey? Amen. Awesome. In fact I think there's five. That's uh that's cool. So let's uh, very quickly to finish our time here, look at some things that enhance encouragement, and some things that are enemies of encouragement, they all begin with I-N. Because remember, we're talking about encourage, to put courage into someone. And so I thought of all these words that uh, go well with that. So here's the encouragement enhancers. Number one, we need to initiate, invite, and include. And here's the thing. People that are filled with grief, with pain, with fear. Usually when there's a significant loss involved in their lives, they're often immobilized and they will not reach out. So we need to take action, right? I did not want to be around people. I would not pick up the phone to call somebody to say I need help. I wouldn't do it. If it wouldn't have been for my wife, and for Bob and others initiating with me, not leaving me alone, I would have stayed exactly where I was. In a very, very dark, lonely, and, and painful and dangerous place. And so when you know someone that is going through a significant thing in their life where there is a deep fear, where there is a grief, where there is a pain, you got to initiate. Right? Don't wait for them because it's not going to happen. Second thing we need to do is to involve and invest. Encouragement, uh, true encouragement in another person's life takes time. It's often very, very messy. It is not easy. So we have to stick with it. And it's hard to encourage somebody who's down and depressed. <laughs> Trust me been there. It's frustrating. But I'm so glad for the people, just like an investment in the, you know, the financial world, you don't pull out when it's down. You've got to wait for the upswing where you see some return on your investment. Right? And, and, and so people in my life, they stuck with me. Through those lows, they cried with me. They prayed with me. They wouldn't leave me alone. And on the upswing, they're able to pull back a little bit because then you're going again, right? Still keep in touch. But hang in there. It is an investment. It is not easy. But it's what God calls us to do. Look at how much Jesus invested in us to literally giving his own life that we might able to move forward to be forgiven to be cleansed to have hope number three we need to instill and increase we've talked about this but literally our job as an encourager is to give people the capacity the ability to move forward to increase their sense of value their dignity their possibility and so um and so we need, to, we need to do that. We need to put whatever it takes into their life to strengthen them so that they will not give up, lose heart and be hopeless. This is especially true after a failure. Someone once said that a word of encouragement during a failure is worth far more than an hour of praise after a success. So I can preach a sermon like this and people can come and pat me on the back and hey, that was a great sermon or whatever and that's good but when I felt like a failure... Just a small word where somebody comes into your life means so much. There's a story one told about Richard Nixon after he uh, went through the whole Watergate scandal and impeached. and just his, He was at the lowest point of failure possible you know, in his life at that point to the point where he was hospitalized, depressed. He could not function. He was in a hospital. And at that point, uh, Billy Graham was the pastor to the president literally and and um, it was actually Billy Graham's wife Ruth Graham picked up the phone and called one of these companies you know that uh, uh, sends an airplane up in the air with a banner that goes behind it right <laughs> to send a message to someone and I forget right now what it said but something along the line like we we love you I think it was very simple like that right so then she sent this plane up in the air paid for it called the hospital, told the nursing staff to get Mr. Nixon to look out the window and tell him it's from a message from the Grahams. And that plane circled the hospital and uh, President Nixon looked at that plane and that was a turning point in his life where he said, someone still believes in me. I have failed miserably, but someone, one person, still loves me. Winston Churchill captured the biblical idea of encouragement well during a time of national and global crisis uh, to instill, resolve, and courage within the people of Britain and really the people around the world. Churchill said this, very motivational speech. He said, Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. And that is exactly what we need to do in each other's lives. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. We need to tell people, Jesus is there. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And me, part of his body, I will not do that either. Greater is he that is in you, in me, and us, than he that is in the world. We need to give each other the ability to move forward. And here's the enemies of encouragement. I want to list a whole bunch real quick. Number one, indifference. Indifference. Uh, This sends the signal to somebody that I don't care. I'm too busy. I have uh, no particular interest or sympathy. I'm unconcerned. Uh, And friends, uh, there's probably, I don't know what percentage of us this morning that need encouragement. Let's not walk around being indifferent to one another. Um there's been three funerals connected to Central this weekend, and uh, there's a lot of grief and loss involved, right? Let's not be indifferent to what people are going through. It doesn't matter if the loss was a, a grandma who is 95 years old or if it was somebody who was 19 years old. It's a loss. It's grief, Right? Second enemy is insincerity. Not expressing genuine feelings is insincerity. It means being fake or phony. Saying that you're concerned, but you're really not. It's like, well, you know, we should really get together sometime. And sometime never happens. My wife challenged me on this one time. See, my wife is an amazing encourager. So she's able to spur me on once in a while and kick me. Because... For for the past 21 years, I've been involved in people's lives and I hear a tremendous amount of things. And on a weekly basis, uh, on a daily basis, I try to encourage people. And I was getting into this habit of, yeah, well, you know, we should get together for lunch sometime and just talk about that. And Marcy, one time, we got in the car after church, I think it was, and she said, you know, Eldon, do you mean that? You just said that to that person. What are you going to do about it? So to be sincere, I mean, you know, we should get together sometimes and talk about that. To be sincere is you pull out your your smartphone or your calendar or whatever it takes and say, you know what, I really want to carry on this conversation. I have time next Tuesday at 11. Are you available? That's sincere. I'll pray for you. How many of us have been guilty of saying I'll pray for you and then the words never leave our lips? To be sincere is, I'll pray for you. Just stop right now. Can I pray for you? Pray. And then as the Lord reminds you, and then send an email. Hey, you came to my mind. I said a quick prayer for you. That's sincere. Uh, so these escalate, these enemies of encouragement. Insensitivity, That now you're not really showing any concern or feeling for another person's needs or feelings. Number four, indictment. See how this is progressing? Indi- indictment means a formal charge or an accusation of a serious offense. Uh, It illustrates a system or a situation or, or sadly a person who is bad and deserves to be condemned. God forgive us for the times when someone who is drowning has been thrown a stone instead of a life preserver. And it doesn't matter what they've done. Whether it's their fault or not, whether it's a failure or, or not, because our failures and our our flops can be redeemed, they can be forgiven. And how on earth does that happen unless we come alongside someone and help them in that? Number five, inconsistency. If you back up to Hebrews chapter thirteen it says, But encourage one another daily. All of these are verbs, they're not only imperatives but they're in the present active tense. So that means active, daily. These things we need to encourage each other all the time. Hebrews 10, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So when we, when we break habits and we become inconsistent, um, either in encouraging someone or separating ourselves from encouragement, it's an enemy of what we really need in our lives. So we have to be consistent. Isolation. can going to end with this one. Paul says, let us not give up meeting together, but encourage one another. It's easy to isolate. I did it. Sorry, fortunately, I had people in my life that cared enough for me that they wouldn't let me stay in isolation. And that's why good Christian friends are so vital. That's why ministries like we have at Central of life groups, small groups, Women's and men's ministry, Bible studies, SALT, affinity groups, support groups. Getting around someone else is crucial. So important to be in a life group. Pastor Gary is just itching to sign you up, to place you in, a, in some place. So am I. So as, as I close here, I just want to ask a couple of questions. Who do you know today that you can encourage who needs it? So ask yourself this question Do I know somebody today who's living with a certain amount of fear or anxiety? Do I know somebody today who's in pain? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Do I know somebody today who has experienced a loss? have you experienced a loss of their health, their job, their income, uh, a relationship, a death. So if somebody hasn't already come to your mind, pray about it. God will show you who you need to encourage today. So then pick up the phone or send an email or a text. Make an arrangement to get with that person and say, how are you really doing? Is there anything I can help you with? And in fact, um, be proactive. Maybe you want to show up at their uh, their door, hint, hint, with maybe like a fresh pan of cinnamon buns or something like that. (laughs) No, it's okay. I don't, I don't need that in my life right now. In fact, I, I need just the opposite. Uh, so you can encourage me in that direction. But um, Anne Rodmacher, Marianne Rodmacher said, Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. <laughs> so who can you come alongside quietly and say, You know what, you can try, try again. Try again tomorrow. You can do it. Can I be that quiet voice to you? Can you be that quiet voice to someone else? And the last thing I want to say is, chances are there's many people here this morning that are in need of encouragement. You have experienced a loss, uh, pain, a fear of some kind. And you know what? The best place to start is to pray for one another first line of encouragement really is to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do right? but we need to avail ourselves to that and I'm so glad that Central Pastor Matt and others had the vision to have prayer partners and I'm going to invite them now to come to take your places, they're identified invite the worship team to come and with, with me and so we want to end this service with a couple of songs of response and there's no pressure but we want to make ourselves available to encourage you to put some hope into your life. If you're in a place right now that you're experiencing anything or a joy or a victory, whatever, come and pray with a prayer partner. Or if someone, you feel comfortable with the person sitting beside you and say, hey, would you pray for me? You know, just do it in your seat or slip off to the side, whatever you need to do. And let's be the body of Christ. Amen. Some courage encourage and build one another up and spur one another on to love and good deeds because we all need it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much today for your word, which instructs us, but I thank you also, God, that you did not leave us or forsake us or abandon us. And uh, taking up uh, a yoke with you is ongoing by the ministry of your spirit, Lord Jesus, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, parakletos in us. So God, would you help us today, each one of us, take seriously this word, to know how do we encourage one another. (coughs) Help us, God, to be sincere, to follow up with those who need it. We We need your help in that area. For those of us, Lord, who need encouragement today, I pray for each person here today who's experienced a loss, who's facing a fear or a pain in their life, that you would put hope into them today, Lord, by your Spirit. And I ask specifically you would place someone into their life who would live out what we've just talked about. You know who they are. Would you match them together, Lord, so that their faith might be built? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.